Kristen. And I'm Bethany. And this is Looking for the Middle, the Christian girl's guide to modern dating. We're here to help you date with confidence while honoring the Lord and to show you that your identity and contentment are in Christ. We're going to give you the tools that you need to date successfully and be set up well for success in a godly marriage. If you've ever felt like you didn't really belong with any of the extremes in dating today, well, you're not alone. Neither did we. And that's why we're here looking for the middle. Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Looking for the Middle. We have quite the episode for you today. We are not alone for once. We have a special guest that we're so excited for y'all to get to hear from. We have Kristen Clark here from Girl Defined Ministries. Kristen, say hi. Hey there. I am so excited for this conversation, really. I think it's going to be a good one. Yes, I cannot wait. So I'm going to let Kristen kind of introduce herself here in a second, but she and her sister, Bethany, yes, Kristen and Bethany are their names. Yes. We love that so much. We admire their parents for their naming skills. Like this just worked out super well. Um, But they co-founded Girl Defined Ministries and they have written a book called Sex, Purity, and the Longings of a Girl's Heart, Discovering the Beauty and Freedom of God-Defined Sexuality. So Mm. this is going to be quite the conversation. We get a lot of questions from y'all about sex and purity and all of those things. And we thought that Kristen would be a great person to have on the show to talk through all of those things. So we're super pumped. So I guess to get started, Kristen, if you'll just tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, what you do, all the things. All the things. Well, I'm a Texas born and raised girl. So pretty proud of that. Pretty proud of my Texas awesome, yes. Um, And the funny thing is, you know, people say everything's bigger in Texas and I'm actually from a huge family. So eight kids and we're, most of us are over six feet tall. Oh my so God. random fact, but we kind of joke like, yeah, everything really is bigger in Texas, even the people. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so I've been married um, to my husband's act going on 10 years here pretty soon. Wow. Um, we don't have any kids, but would love to. And that's just been a whole separate journey of trusting God through um, a long season of infertility and recurrent miscarriage. So really leaning on the Lord there and his, his grace has been so sufficient. Um, and then the rest of my time is spent doing Girl Defined, which my sister, Bethany, yes, <laughs> Bethany and Kristen, uh, we founded a couple years ago back in 2014. And really our passion was just to help the next generation, younger women understand what it means to be a girl defined by God. You know, we, we're all women. We know it's so hard, like especially the teen years going into the twenties, there is just so much out there in culture saying, this is what it means to be beautiful. This is what it means to be. Um, this is where you should find your identity or what it means to be successful, or you need to have a relationship or no, you don't need to have a relationship. It's just like, ah, so hard. So we just wanted to say like, yes, girls, we get it. We've been there. We're still on this journey. Um, but God has a good design for us as women. He has a good plan and his word speaks to all aspects of our lives from relationships to sexuality, um, to our identity, to beauty. And God has such a good plan for us. So let's discover what that is. So that's really the heartbeat of girl to find, um, but obviously there's so much we can talk about within that message of being girls defined by God. And today's topic is a huge one. Yeah. Gosh, I love that so much. I love that. And that's, Bethany was kind of saying this before we started recording, but watching y'all's videos and listening to y'all and just looking through your Instagram, even like these, these are people we want to be friends with. Like these are just people who are, you know, going after what the Lord has laid on their heart and are just speaking into so many women. I just love what y'all are doing. I think it's so cool. Oh, well, likewise. (laughs) Thank you. So let's go with our question of the day. Now that people kind of have an idea of who you are. Question of the day is, do you have any gift giving traditions this time of year? Yes. Okay. So 
like I said, I'm from a huge family and half of us are married now and then some have kids. But in my family, it's a tradition that every person gives a gift to every person. And that tradition still holds. So we're talking like Christmas morning, like our living room is full. Like my, we all go to my parents' house still. And it's just like floor to ceiling gifts from all the gifts that everyone's giving to each other. And it's not like pressure, like you have to, or like you need to spend a lot of money. It can be homemade gifts, um, just, you know, whatever your budget can afford, but it's so fun. So we all get together and then we open them one at a time. Like the first person will go and like give their gifts to everyone and we'll all watch each person open their gifts. So it's not like an opening frenzy. It's more like acknowledging each gift and like getting excited. So it takes us all day. We, we take like coffee breaks and like trash breaks. To pick break. up. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but really we, we typically finish like around 10 PM. Oh. So it's so fun though. And we all love it. And yeah, I don't know if we'll be able to do this forever as the family continues to grow and expand, but for now it's, it's been that way. That's Gosh, so, I love that. I love that. We open our gifts one at a time too. And I've always liked that instead of just everybody go because you don't see like oh what right. did this person get and what you know how did you react to this gift because you kind of like know what certain people are getting and I think that's so fun that's so cool I love, I love it. it it is a little tiring by the end we're like some people I'm sure <laughs> yeah like we need to take a 45 minute intermission <laughs> yes we really do oh <laughs> but I love it that's awesome all right Bethany what's uh, yours my favorite ones is we started this. I'm the oldest in my family. So it was probably right after I could drive. My mom still does like stockings for us. And so we were like, Ooh, we should do Aww. stock parents. So we this tradition kind of just became a tradition that every Christmas Eve, all of us, the kids, we go shopping. I mean, we brave the crowds, we go get lunch. We just make a day of it on Christmas Eve to like go sh shopping for my parents stockings. Sometimes it's like Aww. gag gifts. So, I mean, there's legit stuff in there but it's just a really fun tradition for us on christmas eve mm. so oh that's so sweet i love that i love that other kristen yeah. uh, other kristen yeah <laughs> um gosh i have similar ones to y'all's but one of my favorites is so kristen you don't know this but bethany's youngest sister melanie and I have been best friends since we were 12 so that's kind Aww. of how we know each other yes so we started we may have still been in college when we did this but we give each other an ornament every year and then we kind of like collect all these ornaments so we have my tree back here is half from her and half <laughs> all these other things but that's been one of my favorite like just new little traditions we've had if we get each other usually something that has to do with like coffee or ice cream or <laughs> there's one of like the very first sleepover picture we ever took that's like right here so it's Super that fun. is so sweet. So do you guys still live in the same area? No, she lives in Florida. So she got married oh, okay. three years ago. Was it three years? This week, actually. Um, or next week. Three years ago next week. And um, But we've, until then, we lived like 15 minutes from each other. So Aww. we have braved the distance. But, um, yeah. but yeah. It's oh, I love that. Really That's cool. so sweet. Yeah. It's been super fun. Super fun. Okay. Well, let's jump in. Bethany, do you want to start with, well, I guess we kind of introduced this episode to an extent, but we are going to be talking about a lot of questions that involve Kristen and Bethany's book about sex and purity and all of those things, but we've also kind of intertwined a couple questions we've gotten from listeners about this mm. topic too, so y'all will kind of hear those um, interspersed throughout, but that's kind of the direction, if I didn't already make that clear, that's where we're going. Uh, <laughs> 
today. So Bethany, if you want to kick us off, we'll get going. You kind of already talked about this a little bit just in getting Girl Defined started, but we were just curious and maybe you could tell everyone was, what was your main motivation? Was there like a specific motivator? Like, oh, this thing happened and that got us off and running. Like Mm -hmm. that whole journey. Oh, to start Girl Defined. Yeah. So, you know, I, my sister and I have always had a passion for mentoring younger women. We are, there's five girls in our family and we're on the older end. So I'm the oldest girl. We have one older brother and then I'm the second, but oldest girl, she's the second oldest girl. And so just having younger sisters and ourselves having gone through those teen years, those, you know, into the twenties and wrestling with a lot of things. And, you know, our parents are amazing and they were discipling us along the way. Um, But just getting older and then looking back and seeing them walk through a lot of the same struggles and going, man, like there needs to be more women who are are just ahead of these girls, you know, girls that they can look up to and go, okay, you're not too old. Like you're not my parents, but you're old (laughs) enough that you have some wisdom and, you know, we want to hear what you have to say. And so we just started seeing these opportunities to pour into our younger sisters. And so we started mentoring them and going through different resources and books with them. And that really, I think just ignited in our hearts, a passion to take that kind of that discipleship on a bigger scale, but we didn't know what that was going to look like. And so we just started praying and this was back in the day where everybody was starting a blog, right? Like I'm going to start a blog. So we're like, we're going to start a blog. So we started blogging and we were terribly inconsistent. You know, everybody's ambitious for the first two weeks. Then you're like, Ooh, this is hard. (laughs) Like this is a lot of content, right? So we were so bad. So we like completely dropped it. And then a couple years later, I got married and life just kind of moved on. But after I got married, that, that passion for discipling younger women, it was still there. And we kind of started talking again and we were just like, okay, we totally failed the first time at a blog, but you know, let's like, maybe we could actually do this. So we buckled down. We actually bought a course on, you know, all about like blogging and read resources. And we call it like boot camp. You know, we just were like, we need to learn because we don't know what we're doing. (laughs) And so we just took some time to really learn and grow and learned how to like actually start a website properly. And so God just gave us this passion and we were like, okay, we don't really know what we're doing still, but we know more than we did a couple years ago. So that's when we actually launched Girl Defined. Originally it was under a different name. Um, so as we talked through our passion of like, well, what, what do we want this to be about? Like, what's the, the heartbeat of this? We kept coming back to, you know, well, what's God's design for women? What does God say to us as girls? And so it was like, okay, girls, like what defines a girl? How does God define a girl? Girl defined. And so it just kind of evolved. And then, yeah, we launched it in 2014, still really not knowing what we're doing, but God was so gracious. And just each year would bring in new opportunities. A publisher found us and that's how our books came about. Um, we started a YouTube channel and then we were blogging and then eventually a podcast more recently and then a conference came about. So it was just like each year God just opened doors and would kind of guide us. And even now we're like, we don't know what next year holds. We have our plans, but we're really seeking the Lord and just trusting him to, to kind of lead the ministry where he sees. But I love that. I love how you can, you can trust God's character and you know yeah. that he's given you this desire and he's given you this mission and you can say, okay, I don't know what it looks like, but I know your character and I know you're good. And that's such a good place to be. Yeah. Yeah. So in your, I guess, journey over the last six years as you've been mentoring all of these women and, mm-hmm. you know, speaking into them, what's one question you're most often asked in regard to sexuality, purity, mm-hmm. intimacy, all of those topics? Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, we do get a lot of questions and the, I would say the one disclaimer they always ask in their questions or they, they kind of put in their email is I've never told anybody else about this, or Mm -hmm. I have a question and I've never asked anybody because I'm too scared. I'm too ashamed or I'm too awkward. Um, I just don't feel like there's anyone in my life that I can talk to about this. And so we get a wide range. I would say most commonly it's um, issues with lust, like struggling, like, Hey, I'm stuck in this this less problem, or I can't seem to um, break free from this, or I'm, you know, my thoughts are just like running wild and I don't even know how to gain control. Um, you know, whatever it is, it's, it's, I feel like it's typically around something less related and they're, and they're always like, I, I've never told anyone and I'm even kind of scared to email you, but I feel like, you know, they'll say, I feel like you're a safe place because you talk about this on your website or they've seen a YouTube video where we've talked about it. And this was even before our book came out. That's kind of the questions we were getting was actually a catalyst for why we even decided to write the book because we were getting so many. And we're like, these girls don't have, apparently they don't have anyone to talk to or they do, but they just don't feel comfortable. So that really broke our hearts because, you know, I think any questions around sexual topics are very sensitive and there can be so much confusion and a lot of shame. And just there's no understanding of a biblical worldview on what God says about this or that God even says sex is a good thing, right? You know, sometimes it's like, like, this is a bad thing. Like, no, God actually created this. So we just really, our passion in writing this was to create a resource that would open up the conversation and kind of normalize it amongst young Christian women. And I think that's so needed. And we'll talk about it more later. Yeah. Because the church a lot of times doesn't talk about mm-hmm. very, very high level that sometimes isn't super helpful, maybe on a practice. Yeah. It's a tough thing. But how is there a correlation? Because we see so much that society has completely devalued purity and into like completely there's not really much yeah. about on that anymore is there a correlation between the two like the devaluing of that in society and then maybe some of that shame and trepidation and talking about it within christian circles do you think Oh yeah, absolutely. I think, um, I don't know if you've heard of Dr. Julie Slattery, but she has an amazing podcast called Authentic Intimacy. And um, we've had a lot of conversations with her. And one thing she always says is that sexual discipleship is happening, whether we realize it or not. And it's most often coming from the world. And so Christians aren't stepping up and saying, God has a good design for sexuality. Here's what it is. And discipling others, you know, younger people in this, but the world is every single day. Like you're saying, the message is so strong. Um, Sex is totally devalued. It's just you know, kind of like a bodily urge, like, yeah, if you have this passion, go for it. You know, as long as it's consensual, like that's kind of the standard, like as long as it's consensual, it doesn't matter um, who or what or how. And so, um, and especially the younger women now they're on social media in ways that we never were like our generation. And so they're being exposed to so much. I mean, um, just sex being so devalued on so many of these platforms where these young people are just kind of, you know, it's for the views, it's for the likes and, you know, pornography is rampant in ways that it wasn't before because of the internet. And so, yeah, I would say young women are, they're very confused because they see Hollywood's, you know, version in a sense, like this passion and these fireworks, but at the same time, it's so cheap. It's so common. Um, but okay, so what is God's design? I'm, you know, they're thinking, well, I, I want this and I'm struggling with certain things, but how do I find answers? How do I find hope? And they're afraid to talk about it because they feel like they're the only ones that have these questions. And so they just stay silent. They kind of just go along with the cultural flow of what they're seeing. And then, and ultimately they make choices based on that narrative, you know, that discipleship they're getting from the world. And those choices typically land them in a really hard place where they're even more confused and just struggling with more brokenness. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. I think we see that. You were talking about people say, oh, I've never asked anyone. I've never told anyone. I think that's yeah. most kind of on the flip side of what you just said too, of like, oh, I thought I was the only one. I thought yeah. no one else struggled with this. And it, and that's why we started our show too, of like, okay, let's mm. conversation because nobody talks about whether it's yeah. or on the, you know, dating in general side, but people don't talk about it. And it's a very isolating place, which just spirals the problem a lot of times. Yeah. I remember um, when I was in high school, this was part of the reason why I was like, honestly, my sister and I didn't want to write this book on sex and purity because we were like, we're going to have to be really honest about our own journey and our own struggles. And you know, these aren't just things you share with anyone. And we're like, we're going to share this with the world. And I remember going into this project feeling more, I don't know, just like the weight of this book more than any of the other books, which we've written on love and purity or sorry, love and relationships. And then womanhood with our first book, Girl Defined, but this book, our most recent was just like, oh, it was weighing so heavy on me. But, um, you know, even in writing it and sharing some of the things that I had never shared with the world, you know, putting it in this book, talking about some of my own struggles, my own journey as a young woman growing up in a Christian home, but I struggled with lust all the time. Um, and I was too ashamed to go to my parents, too ashamed to get any help. And, um, you know, I was really wrestling with masturbation. Like that was a big part of my life as well. And I didn't even know like, like biblically, like what does God's word even say about this? Like, what is the biblical view of sexuality? You know, my parents are first generation Christians. So they're trying to figure this whole thing out, like how to even disciple their kids. You know, they're doing the best they can, but I just remember feeling so trapped and longing for answers and just wishing that someone, a Christian would, you know, come into my life and help me understand this. And so eventually um, I did hear a message actually at a Christian conference. I was like probably mid-teens and our whole family was at this conference and I shared this story in the book, but they, they were talking about sexual purity and you know, common sexual struggles. And they brought up the topic of masturbation. And it was like the first time I'd ever heard anyone talk about it. And I was just kind of like, <gasps> you know, sitting there like, like my heartbeat's like going so fast. And I'm like, oh, and they just said, you know, the first step toward finding freedom from, um, you know, any sexual struggle is to, to bring it into the light, to share it with someone, to say, hey, I'm wrestling with this. Can you help me? And so they said, if you have parents who you feel like you can go to who are Christians, you know, they're going to come alongside you. Like they really recommended that. And I was like, <gasps> like, that is the scariest thing, you know? And I think that's a bummer that it is so scary, but that's the reality that so many young women find themselves in. They're terrified. Um, so I just remember, you know, as a teen, I was praying for days like, okay, God, give me the strength. I want to share. I want to share these struggles, but I'm so scared. And so God did give me the strength and I, I was so terrified, but I did share it with them. And my parents were so gracious and so loving. And they just said, wow, we're, you know, we're so grateful you shared this with us. Um, there was no condemnation. It was, we want to pray for you. We want to help you, you know, let us know, like we'll hold you accountable, whatever's helpful. And I just remember it was like this burden that I had been carrying for so many years was lifted. And, you know, it wasn't like I found all the freedom in that moment, but it was that step of bringing that sin to the light. And, and God just did so much in my heart. Like that was the beginning of my journey toward freedom. And so just seeing my own heart and my own struggles and knowing so many girls are finding themselves in that same place where they feel trapped and they're just like, I need freedom. How do I find freedom? Is there someone I can talk to? Yeah. It's so, so needed for, mm -hmm. I think especially. Yeah. It is yeah. for sure. And I think it's so, I'm so glad you shared that because I think there is, Bethany and I talk about a lot how there's a little bit of this weight on us when we have messages come in like that of like, oh, I'm mm. going to share this with you and I've never met you before. I'm like, wow, we're so honored, but oh my gosh, I don't want to tell you something wrong or I don't want to tell you, yeah. you know, the wrong um, step to take. But I think exactly what you just said is something we can 
all learn from is, you know, you're not going to find that freedom until you bring something like Mm -hmm. that to the light. And I think talking about it, we think there's so much shame in that, but that's actually where the change starts to set in. And I think that unfortunately the enemy just loves to isolate us in our Mm -hmm. thoughts and our, um, just struggles with that. And so I love that you shared that story. That was Mm. so, so good. So kind of in that same vein, if you were talking to a single girl who maybe is struggling Mm. with lust or purity and things like that, what's, what would you tell her to do if she's trying to keep her desires in check? Like she wants to honor the Lord. She's wanting to, you know, pursue purity, but she's kind of struggling with that. What would you say to her? Yeah. You know, the first place I always start is, um, I, I really strive to paint a beautiful picture of sexual desire because I think sometimes in Christian culture, the word purity has become a little bit taboo where we feel like I just need to pursue purity and get my checkbox, you know, one, two, three, like, okay, I'm honoring God. And we forget that there's a bigger, higher calling that God actually created us as sexual beings from the beginning in the garden, Adam and Eve, like they were sexual from the start. And that's a good thing. So each one of us as women, we're all sexual beings. So I think I, one of my passions is to remove the stigma of almost like it's a negative thing, like it's a bad thing, but paint our sexual design in a beautiful biblical picture. And so I love to share that with girls to say, Hey, I know you're having struggles, but just remember that your sexual design isn't a curse. It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. God just wants to help you channel those longings, those desires in the right direction. And so kind of starting there with more of a positive foundation and, you know, depending on the conversation, if it's in person or obviously if it's an email, it's a little bit harder to communicate so much, but, um, you know, in all of our messaging and in our book, we kind of start with that premise. Like we're all sexual beings. It's a beautiful design, but just like every other area of our life has been impacted by sin, our sexuality has too. And so because of sin, you know, in the garden from the beginning, now we face struggles, we face sin. We face lust. These things didn't exist in a perfect world. Our sexuality has been broken. Um, And so now we're wrestling with these things and God is calling us to honor him, uh, to pursue purity, but not just, you know, because he's a killjoy because he doesn't want us to ever experience pleasure, but because he knows that embracing his good design for how to enjoy our sexual desires rightly is actually for our good. And so when we enjoy it wrongly in a sinful way, it actually hurts us. Um, It doesn't give us um, fulfillment the way he designed it to be in marriage. It doesn't draw us closer to him. Um, It does the opposite. And so it's remembering that God's, his design for purity is so good. So when we see verses that talk about, you know, flee sexual immorality and pursue holiness, it can feel like, oh, like that's so hard, but God is calling us to a better standard, a higher standard for our good and his glory. And so I love starting with that foundation and then just getting really practical with girls. Like, hey, where are you struggling? How are you struggling? What does this look like? Um, Do you have accountability? Are you in the word? Um, You know, if you feel like it's a certain time of day you're struggling. Let's talk about some practical strategies. Like maybe you can do, um, maybe there's some things in your life you need to get rid of. Like if you're constantly consuming media that is tempting you towards sexual immorality or like watching a lot of music videos with a lot of sexual themes or, you know, sex scenes in movies or songs that are just not helping your heart. I'll just say, let's get really practical. Let's talk about some things that you can do, some adjustments you can make to help yourself, you know, to help your heart cultivate a heart of purity. Um, and then, yeah, just practical 
little things like accountability. Is there anyone you can talk to in your life? We always say, hey, we want to help point you in a better direction, but obviously we can't come alongside you on a daily basis. And I know y'all feel that too with your community. And so we always say like, please find a godly woman. Here's some ways that you can pursue a relationship with her. Reach out, ask her if you can meet on a weekly, biweekly basis, you know, get a mentor, that Titus II model, um, and, and share these struggles with her. You know, maybe it's your mom, maybe it's someone else, but you need someone in your life who can walk you, um, you know, kind of walk with you on this journey. And so, yeah, those would just be a few of the things that we would kind of start with. Yeah. I think that's so important. And we say all the time on the show, we're like, don't date in a bubble. Yes. Oh yes. Everything either seems perfect or you don't see the things that aren't and bring that community and find someone who's a stage or two ahead of you in life who can, and, and we say build that community now. And it's the same thing with this. Like you can't wait till you're in the middle of a struggle and then you try to bring in this person who doesn't know you at all and have them be your community. Like you need to start now building mm-hmm. so that they know yeah. you and you trust them. There's that relationship there. And that's so key to everything. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's biblical, right? (laughs) Like God's word. It's like, yes, we see that in Galatians, like bear one another's burdens. Like it's, and that's the thing about the shame. And you were saying earlier about the isolation, like the enemy does want to isolate us to make us feel like I'm the only girl who struggles with this. I must be weird. And I felt that way as a teen. I was like, I'm I'm probably the only girl in the world who struggles with masturbation. Like, oh, hello. Actually, a lot of women do just know what's talking about it. But the enemy, you know, we believe those lies and then we don't pursue community. We don't allow other believers to bear our burdens, um, like Galatians calls us to. And that's where I think we get so trapped. So I love that you're emphasizing that Mm -hmm. point. Like, yes, start now. Even if you feel like you're listening right now and you're thinking I'm already in so deep, like I'm already struggling. There's no way I could bring someone into this. Yes, you can. Mm -hmm. You can do it. I know it's scary. I know it's hard, but taking that first step of reaching out to a godly woman and, you know, even someone who's just a few years older than you or someone your own age who you feel like could be, um, you know, spiritual mentor in a sense, just reaching out and saying, Hey, I need some help. Can you talk with me? Yep. Yes, for so, sure. So then this is actually a question we get a good bit, like a listener question that we get in, you know, various forms a good bit is, you know, paraphrasing a girl will say, okay, I either, I have, I have my boyfriend, we slept together or mm-hmm. someone I was dating before I was a Christian, even like we did things we shouldn't have. And now I'm trying to move on and pursue purity and walk honoring to the Lord. But I have this, yeah. like, yeah. and they're like, I don't know what to do with it. I don't mm-hmm. know how to move on because I feel this pull towards the sky, especially if they're currently dating still. Yeah. So what, what advice or what, what would you say to that girl who wants to move on from that? Yes. And I love that she would have that desire, right? You know, I think that's a huge starting point is to go, okay, I've messed up. I've sinned in this way. Um, you know, God help me. Like I want to move on. I want to, I want to walk a different path. And that's something that where the gospel comes in that's so beautiful is that our God is a God of redemption, a God of forgiveness, a God who wants to help us. You know, I mean, that's what, why Christ came, not because we're perfect Christian women, but because we're sinful women, you know, we need God's help. And so going before, I think it starts with repentance, going to the Lord and saying, God, forgive me. I have sinned. I have not honored you. I have not walked in holiness. Um, you know, forgive me even in this relationship. Um, if they're currently dating and struggling with sexual sin, and I have walked with couples, uh, my husband and I with couples who are struggling and we 
we're like, okay, this is serious. It's like, you've got to take this seriously. Don't, like you said, don't stay in a bubble. You need accountability. You need um, to have a godly couple come alongside and really walk with you um, and hold you accountable in this. And if it just persists to where you're like, we can't find freedom, like this is too hard, then it might be honestly a good idea to take a break, um, to just take a break from the relationship and really pursue the Lord separately and try to find that freedom. But for the girl who maybe it's something in her past, a past relationship, um, yeah, I just want to say to her that I love your heart for wanting to move forward, wanting freedom. Um, and our God is such a God of grace and mercy. And I praise him for the mercy and grace he's had in my life for my sexual sins, the things I look back on that I go, oh, like I regret that. I wish I had made a different choice. And, you know, going before the Lord humbly, um, you know, the Lord loves to see our a humble heart before him, that, that contrite heart that says, God, I need you. And we confess that sin and the Lord forgives us. And now here's where the enemy comes in because he likes to keep us trapped in shame over things we've been forgiven for, right? To say, oh, well, you did that. Look at you. You'll never be able to move on. Look at the choices you've made. But God says, you've confessed this. I have forgiven you. Walk in the freedom of my forgiveness. And that's really a choice that we have to make, you know, to say, I have been forgiven. I'm going to believe what God's word says about being forgiven. And I'm going to walk in the freedom of that forgiveness. Doesn't mean there's still going to be consequences or struggles that we face, but we can walk in the freedom of that forgiveness rather than the shame that the enemy wants to keep us in. And then another thing that I think is so important to remember is that purity isn't a destination. It's not like, oh, I'm, I'm working towards purity and I've made it. I've arrived. I've reached <laughs> the destination of purity. You know, and I think sometimes it can almost be phrased in a way where it feels like that in Christian culture, like pursue, you know, pursue purity, be pure. But the truth is none of us are ever going to be perfectly pure on this side of heaven. And it's not so much a destination as it is a journey. And it's a daily journey of going, yes, I messed up yesterday. I sinned in the past. You know, I have confessed that God has forgiven me. Today's a new day and I'm called to walk faithfully. I'm called to walk in purity today. God help me today. Um, so just that heart of surrender, that heart of seeking the Lord on a daily basis, recognizing it's a lifelong pursuit. It's yeah. sanctification. It's following after the Lord. It's not a destination we'll ever reach. So no, no woman is beyond, you know, some women might feel like I've been so, I made so many bad choices. I can never be pure. Well, today you can walk faithfully as God calls you by his strength. And that's something that each one of us can cling to. And that's the hope of the gospel. Mm, yes. I love that. And I love that you said that it's not a destination because I yeah. think- times, and I think it's from a well-intentioned place within the church, single women get the message that marriage is the destination for a lot of yeah. things, and this being one of them. Like, you just have to fight for your purity till you get married. Then, like, yes. <laughs> like checkbox, all done. Or it's, okay, well, I need to be content in the Lord while I'm single, and then, like, that's going to change once you're married. It's just that, okay, the thing that you're mm-hmm. going to battle is going to be different, but... I think it sets people up for disappointment, for struggle, for unnecessary tension sometimes, because it seems like, okay, I'm going to graduate to this level of being married. And then all of these things will just fall away. And that's just not the case. Right, right. Oh, I'm so glad you brought that point up because that is, I felt that mentality too when I was single. Um, and then even in my dating relationship, like, okay, pursue purity for marriage. Almost like sex is the reward of your purity. Like that's actually not the case, which creates a lot of struggle for women who have sin sexually. They're going, you know, or maybe um, had, you know, sex before marriage. They're going, okay, so my sex and marriage can never be as holy or as beautiful because I didn't 
wait, you know, and that is such a lie from the enemy. Sex isn't our reward for purity. Um, our joy is in the Lord. Our hope is in the Lord. We pursue purity to honor God, not to get a reward. And I think that's such a key thing. And, and also I think it sets women up for so much failure. If your mindset is, Oh, I'm, I'm pursuing purity for marriage. And then you get married and you don't realize that there are so many temptations that come in marriage, right? It's not like sexual temptations. The enemy's like, oh, you're married. It looks like, you know, I'm not going <laughs> to attack you anymore. No. Why are so many marriages, you know, why is there adultery, right? Like there wouldn't be adultery if every marriage was just so perfectly satisfied and there was no need to battle against sexual immorality. The enemy just comes at us with different angles. And so that's why I love you that you brought that up because it is so important to remember we're pursuing purity to honor God. And we do that in singleness, in a relationship, in marriage. Always. Yeah, for sure. I think that's that whole reward mindset. That's something I've struggled with, honestly, as far as, oh, I think, okay, well, if I wait until I'm married, then it's all going to be perfect and great when I do have mm -hmm. sex when I'm married. Or even if I'm just like, if I'm waiting longer to get married, my marriage will be better. And it's just this, all this twisted stuff you start to think of like, oh, I'm, it's like a martyred mentality of like mm. the longer though the more I suffer the longer I wait the harder this is like the better it's going to be and it's like no that's not the point you're not earning a good marriage you're not right. earning a good sex life when you are married you are like you said you're pursuing your hope in the Lord and your joy yeah. in him and if we can keep ourselves aligned in that and you know mm -hmm. obviously praying for God to keep us there then that's I think that's the sweet spot but it's so yes. hard like you said because the enemy is pulling us in all these different directions and it's just tough. Yeah, it is. No joke. Like it is hard. Yeah. And the flesh is strong. I'm like, oh, for you sure. know, why, why does the flesh have to be so strong? Like, couldn't it just be like a little weaker? Like, yeah. I'm like, can you yeah. skip leg day a couple times? Yes. Please? That would be yes. great. Like our desires are waging war within us. Like, yeah, so true. Feel it yeah. every day. Mm -hmm. Yes. So what would you say is one thing that most Christians don't understand about God's design for our sexuality? researched all that and talked about it so much. Yeah. I kind of mentioned it earlier. I would say really it's that sex is God's design, that it's a good thing and it's a beautiful thing and it has a right and beautiful place in marriage and even understanding the bigger picture for marriage in general, like the husband and the wife and this picture of Christ and the church and this covenant and then sexual intimacy being placed within the beautiful covenant of marriage as a reflection, um, really to point us to this amazing deep relationship that God has with his church and the, you know, the physical intimacy that a marriage experiences is just a tiny taste of the sort of intimacy that God wants to have with his children. Um, obviously not sexually, but that relational intimacy. It's like, you know, sex and marriage is the deepest, uh, most intimate act that I think we have on this earth. And it's really just a shadow of the deep love that God has for us. And so I don't think often as Christians, we, we remember that bigger picture of what marriage, of what intimacy and marriage, of what it's ultimately pointing to. It's pointing us to something so much greater. And honestly, something that our hearts need so much more. Sex isn't our greatest need in, on this earth, um, although it may feel that way sometimes. A relationship with our creator, with the God of this universe, that's our deepest need. Um, that's why there are so many married women who have you know, sex all the time, but they're not satisfied, right? They're still a whole, they're missing something um, if they don't know the Lord or if they're not walking with him because we were made to walk in an intimate relationship with our creator. That's where we find ultimate satisfaction. And so um, that's a huge reason why we wrote the book was to say, look, sex is awesome, um, but it points to something so much bigger. Let's see that bigger picture. And then I think we honor, um, you know, the marriage bed so much more. We honor sex when we see the beautiful um, covenant that it was made to be expressed in 
and the purpose for that and in that. And there's so much more we can get into. But yeah, I would say that's probably a big thing that's not understood when it comes to sexuality. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I remember when I was in, I guess I was in 10th grade. I was in uh, my health class. I went to like a private Christian school and we had a pastor come in and speak while we were um, in the sex chapter of our health book. And I remember <laughs> him talking about he's like sex is really good like this is a good thing and I'm like I have never heard any like my parents and I had had conversations about it. like they were really great about you know giving me a good context for sex but outside of that like, I had never heard anybody specifically from the church mm. say something like that and it just blew my mind I was like wait what because all I've heard is no sex is bad and don't do it yeah and stay as far away from it yes. as you possibly can until you get married and then all of a sudden and I think that's something too that and maybe I'm sure you can speak to this too mm -hmm. of hearing from girls that are they're worried about when they get married are they gonna feel guilty when they mm -hmm. have sex because mm -hmm. for so long it's just been don't do it don't have it it's bad stay away and then yeah. like this flips this switch flips on your wedding night so to speak yeah and that's really heartbreaking for us too because like no this like you're saying mm -hmm. this is a really good thing and God created this and it's such a beautiful picture and the way we think about it oftentimes is so far from the way that he yeah. designed it and yeah it's just it's hard to hear mm -hmm. when girls are like oh I don't even like I feel bad for even just either wanting it or I feel like I'm going to feel guilty when I finally get it because it's just been talked about so differently for yeah. so long yeah that negative conversation is definitely a problem and I think it started I think there's a, a good heart behind it. Like people, you know, you've heard the term like purity culture and there's a lot of controversy just even around that term. And I think it start, it, you know, it was addressing an issue. Like we have, um, you know, in the sexual revolution, we have all the hippies who are like, you know, free love, free sex, like do whatever you want. <laughs> and so this movement arose in the Christian communities of like, no, it's like purity. It's, you know, saving yourself for marriage. Like this is important, but I think it swung so far to the other side that we forgot to bring in the message that, oh, sex is actually good and beautiful and it's God's design, you know, and all the things that we've been talking about, it kind of got lost and it was just pursue purity, save yourself for marriage. This is important, you know, and without saying sex is bad, that was the tone. So yeah, you know, we had a whole generation, um, you know, my generation of girls who grew up, you know, pursue, pursue, pursue purity, like don't even think about sex, don't even question like these desires you're having rather than being told the full picture. And then they get married and go, Oh, like I'm just supposed to flip a switch and enjoy this in my marriage. I'm wrestling with all of these struggles of like, is this good? Is this holy? Like I, now I feel unholy. Um, so yeah, it, it's another, it's sad because I think the intention was a good heart behind it, but I just think it swung too far. And then it caused, um, unintentional damage that now I know a lot of women are, are trying to work through and figure out. Yeah. I think some of the fallout from that is just, I've seen a, so in some of my own thinking, but then also just talking to people, it's almost like there's this idea that sex within marriage, like God allows it and like, kind of like, okay, mm. allow it within marriage, but kind of like, okay, I'm going to turn my head kind of thing. As a yes. Yes. Like he created it. There's a purpose and it's a gospel purpose to see the yeah. love, you know, yeah. of the father for us. It's not this thing that he's like, okay, well, I'll allow it in this context mm -hmm. kind of thing. Like that's not the motivation behind it. And I think that's kind of how it's viewed a lot of times. Yes. Yeah, so for sure. That's hilarious. Like, yeah, God's looking the other way. Like it's almost like God's embarrassed, right? Like, oh, God created yeah. sex. Oh, but he's kind of embarrassed and he's kind of a little bit ashamed. But yes, in marriage, you know, in the holy context of marriage, it's allowed. But, you know, <laughs> oh, it's like 
God, you know, what a sad picture of God that we have. And, you know, it's, it really shows you when we don't understand God's design properly. There are so many misconceptions, so many lies, so many wrong pictures that we have about it, that it completely impacts our lives and completely impacts the way we view God, the way we view the gospel, the way we even enter marriage and enjoy sexual intimacy within marriage. So yeah, it's, it's really reframing so much as we unpack a biblical world worldview. And we see this God who loves his children, who created sex. He's not ashamed of it. He was, you know, right there with Adam and Eve. Like he made them sexual beings. They had sex. Like God was not embarrassed or ashamed of this. And it is such a beautiful design. And it's something that he wants us within the covenant of marriage. It's really a celebration of that covenant of that beautiful picture. And, and God's right there cheering, you know, like he's, he's celebrating the covenant right along with that married couple. So yeah, we, we've got to get so many things right. Um, or else so many things go wrong. Absolutely. Exactly. You were kind of headed in this direction, kind of talking about like purity culture and just some of the longer term ramifications that that has had. And that's one thing we talk about a lot too, is like, we've done entire episodes on like, okay, take those principles, but apply them differently. Like Mm -hmm. the, the intent and the original direction of that was so good. And I agree with most all of it. Yeah. I think from a fear-based perspective on a lot of parts, it went too Mm -hmm. far because they were like, Mm -hmm tell my kids do all these things, then they won't be pregnant when they're 14. Or right. <laughs> I think it was, there was a lot of fear involved a generation, you know, behind For it. sure. So within that kind of whole context, why do you think that sexuality is not really talked about in church? What, mm-hmm. what, what is the reasoning behind that? And then two, how do you see that lack of conversation and the lack of just like, I guess, openness, transparency isn't really the right word. So maybe just openness within the church. How has that affected Christian dating then as a whole? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Those are some great questions. You know, I, I am encouraged, I will say, to see that more and more churches are seeing these problems, seeing the fallout, seeing the need to talk about sexuality from a biblical perspective, but still we have a long way to go. Um, and there are, I would say, majority of churches based on what I, the feedback I get from young women who are from all over the world saying, my church doesn't talk about this. Um, nobody talks about this in my church. Like I've never heard a peep from anybody. And um, yeah, and that's a huge problem. And I think there still is a lot of fear. I think there's this mindset of, you know, okay, we, you know, we can talk about purity, talk about the purity message, but you know, if we just talk about that and say, don't, 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 then yeah, maybe they'll just grow up. They won't really think about sex and then they'll get married. We'll be able to move on. And yeah, I think it is very fear-based rather than leaning into the word and saying, what does God's word say? And, and not just saying, don't do this, you know, pursue purity, but let's talk about God's good design for sexuality. Let's, you know, we need some sexual discipleship. And really that's my heart in so many ways is that leadership, churches, women's ministries, you know, men's ministries would catch this vision for biblical sexuality and really take the reins of saying it's a responsibility as Christian leaders to teach, to disciple the next generation in what a biblical worldview is on sexuality, sexual discipleship. It seems like very two words that should not go together, but really should because there's such a need because we're all sexual beings. So we all have longings. We all have desires. We're all impacted by sin. We all have struggles. We all have questions, you know, every single one of us. I've never talked to one girl ever who's like, no, I don't really ever think about sex or wonder about it. It's like every girl, you know, when it starts young too, that's another thing we get questions from moms all the time. They're like, my daughter's 13. We've never talked about it. You know, I'm still not sure if she's old enough. And I'm like, 
oh dear. Like, is she old enough to read? Um, yeah. Has she ever been to the grocery store? Has she ever seen a magazine that has the word sex on it? Like, trust me, she has questions. Mm-hmm. She's wondering like, oh, and by the way, she's also a sexual being. So she has these feelings and these desires. Yeah. So it, the conversation needs to start a lot younger, um, especially these days with the internet and what younger kids are being exposed to. Um, there's age appropriate conversations that need to happen about God's design for sexuality. Um, but to your question on dating, um, <clears throat> what was the question on dating? Actually, how to make sure I, how do you think just the lack of conversing about it in the church, mm. what effect has that had on Christian dating more specifically? If any, what do you like, what's the core? I'm sure there's gotta be a correlation there. What do you see? Yeah. Well, I can speak personally for my own dating relationship um, because so much of my understanding of sexuality was purity, which again, my parents were so well-intentioned and they were coming from that generation of, you know, coming off the hippie movement themselves, like seeing so many just, you know, whatever, anything goes. And so they were very like, we want our children to pursue purity. So that was a theme, but I would say there wasn't as much of the sexual discipleship of, okay, well, what is God's design? Let's really unpack it. And so when I got into my relationship with my then boyfriend, um, who's now my husband, I think we had that mentality of like, okay, purity. And so, you know, we set up boundaries and, um, you know, had our little list, like we had some accountability, but I would say our hearts because we didn't fully understand, or I guess, yeah, just didn't have a good perspective on the beauty of it. I would say our motivations were a little bit more fear-driven in our relationship. And so it was like, okay, do this, don't do that. But at the same time, we were attracted to each other. We're like drawing closer in this relationship. You know, it's it's leading towards marriage. And so we have these longings and desires and, you know, we start struggling and we start, um, you know, nothing major, but just like there's lust in the relationship. And, you know, then we're like, like too afraid to like tell anyone like, oh, we're kind of struggling in this way or that way. And, you know, I think that was... That was the problem is that there wasn't that beautiful picture painted. And so then we just felt like, oh, well, we were messing up, you know, here and there. And who do we talk to? Who do we tell? You know, people were, were just expecting that we were doing great, that our relationship was just, you know, perfectly pure in every way. And we were the example couple. And I'm like, so then there's that too of like, oh, people have, they think that we're not struggling. So now how can we tell anyone that we actually are? Um, and so we didn't really, honestly, until the very end of our relationship, actually, I think it was after we were married, we were just ta- chatting with my parents and kind of sharing like things were harder than I think a lot of people realize. And I think a lot of dating couples feel that because sexual desire is normal and it's very strong when you're in a relationship and you're attracted to someone and you know, there's a lot of sexual desire. And I just think people assume like, oh, they've got it. They'll figure it out. But what we needed and what I think so many couples desperately need is for another couple to come alongside and say, hey, we get it. We were dating once too. We know how hard it is. We know the pitfalls. We know the temptations. Um, you know, here's what we wish we would have done differently. Here's the mindset we wish we would have had. And coming alongside that couple and offering them real, authentic accountability conversations. Um, I think dating couples would be, I mean, for the ones that want to honor God, obviously, if you're like, we don't really care, we're going to do our thing. That's different. <laughs> but for the ones who are struggling and they have this mindset, um, I think couples coming alongside them and just really having some good, honest conversations, I think would be huge. Oh, yeah. And I think too, if churches could take those couples who are the, the older, who are coming alongside and mm-hmm. say, reach out to them. Amen. Instead of waiting for the dating couple who is in the thick of a struggle now. Yes. Then figure out how to go talk to someone about it. If the other side took that initiative and reached out and said, hey, we want to come alongside and help keep you from that place. Yes be a huge thing the church could do just in general to really Mm -hmm. that. 
Yeah. Amen. Oh, I, I feel that my husband and I have been walking with a couple recently and I will admit like it's, it's uncomfortable at times for us because we're like getting into the nitty gritty of their relationship and they want that. They're like, we want accountability, ask us the hard questions. But I will say like you as the, maybe the married couple looking on going, Ooh, I don't know if I can do that. Like that's awkward. It's so needed. And if we're all just awkward about it, it's never going to happen. And so, you know, we pursued a relationship with them. Um, and they were so, open, so excited, so grateful and continue to be in their dating relationship, you know, now engaged. And, you know, there are times where I'm like, oh, I don't really want to have this conversation. Like it's kind of hard, <laughs> but every time we do, I'm like, oh, thank you, Lord. Like that was so fruitful and it was so good. And even though it might feel a little awkward at times, it's what we need as believers. We need believers to enter into our lives in, in every department really like, and say, God created us. This is the full picture of who we are as humans. There's no topic that's off limits. Um, let me come alongside you and, and help you walk through this. That's so great. Absolutely. So I know I'm going to switch up one of the questions real quick. So we talked a lot about accountability in this conversation Mm -hmm. and just how important that is with what you just said in an earlier in the episode and finding mentors. So if there's a girl who's listening right now, she's struggling with lust. She's struggling with purity, with all her thought life, whatever she's going through. And she wants that accountability. How are you, how can you advise her to go find that? Like, what would you tell her to take some practical steps to find a mentor? Mm -hmm. It's a dating couple to find the couple you were just talking about. And then what other resources could you recommend Mm. to them to help them? Well, I would say first, it's going to be scary. <laughs> like I think a lot of times we we desire to have accountability, but the thought of asking someone is so terrifying that it actually keeps us from stepping forward and and reaching out. And I felt that, oh my word, I felt that so much. And and so it's normal to feel that way. So for anybody listening who is wrestling with the struggle, they want accountability. Just know it is it is a scary thing to step out in faith, reaching out to someone, saying, "Hey, can you help me?" Um, you know, when I first confessed my struggle with masturbation and lust to my parents. That was so terrifying, like I shared, but that was the first step toward a long journey of freedom, of finding victory over sin that I had wrestled with for so long. Um, So bringing it to the light is so important. And practically, um, with those feelings of nervousness, fear um, that I remember feeling, I would say just as, you know, as a Christian woman, if you're listening and you're looking at your community, you're going, okay, who in my community uh, do I feel like I could trust with this, you know, this sensitive part of my heart, this sensitive part of my life? Is there a godly woman? Um, as I'm surveying all the people that I know, including my mom, um, is there someone I feel like I could go to and, and just say, hey, um, I'm struggling with some things. I feel really awkward about it. I, I don't even really know how to have this conversation. Like you can be so honest, right? Just saying, I don't even know how to have this conversation, but I, I would love to sit down and talk with someone about some sexual struggles that I have, you know, would you be willing to grab coffee with me or even a phone call, you know, whatever works for you. And you don't have to do this in person. Um, you could text them. If it's someone that you have a texting relationship with, you could email them. I know emails like kind of outdated, um, DM <laughs> them on Instagram. Like, you know, it's just take that first step because we will never, um, I, I believe that the enemy 
um, so much of the, the bond that we are in, you know, just the bondage of sexual sin when we confess it, when we bring it to the light, when we invite another believer in, I think that breaks so much of the power of that sin that we're entrapped in. And so whatever it takes for you, DM, text message, phone call, in person, the most comfortable option, just reach out. Think of that woman. And, you know, sometimes girls will say, well, I can't think of anybody. Like I look at my whole community. I can't think of one person. Um, then I'll say, then pray. Pray that God would provide someone and pray every single day. Pray that God would open your eyes to see someone that maybe is there. You just haven't thought of them yet, or you haven't, you don't know them well enough. So maybe you could start building a relationship, but pray that God would provide that person because guess what? He wants to provide that for you. He wants us to walk in community with other believers. And so as you pray that, I think you'll be amazed at what God will do in time. And so um, that's also a really, really great place to start. And then I just tell them, don't be scared, like, or do it scared, but ask God for the courage to reach out. And then once you do, um, you know, just kind of go from there. Um, if she, if she says, Hey, I'd love to, but I'm just too busy. I can't don't allow maybe her rejection in a sense. Cause I'll get that question too. Like, well, what if they say no, what if they say they can't meet with me? So then the fear of being rejected is so scary. So they don't, you know, reach out. And I say, you know, it's in God's hands. He will provide someone else. Um, don't take that as rejection. Just take that as, okay, the timing's not right for this person. Um, trust God with that pray again, God, who else could I reach out to? Don't give up um, and then pursue somebody else. And it will be so worth it in the end. That's good. That's good. Okay. We are nearing the end here, wrapping up. We have so enjoyed this one last, I guess this isn't even really a question. Um, We've talked all about your book all through this. So tell everyone 30 second summary of the book, what it's about, your motivation Mm. and where they can get to. Yes, yes. So it's called Sex, Purity, and the Longings of a Girl's Heart. Um, And this book is for every woman, every girl, any stage of life. Um, If you're a sexual being, which I know you are, (laughs) I think you will find so much encouragement and hope in this book. We offer the biblical worldview. What does God say? How has sin impacted our sexuality? How do we find freedom from lust? What about the battle in our mind? Um, What does temptation look like in our life? My sister and I share so openly so many different stories of our own journey of struggling, of finding freedom, of walking in victory of struggling, of finding freedom. I mean, just that cycle. And and God has such a good plan for our sexuality. No matter what choices you've made in the past, no matter where you're at today, God wants to redeem your story. He wants to give you, um, you know, a future and a hope. And he has a good and beautiful plan for your sexuality. So I hope this book is an encouragement to you, to anybody who would grab a copy. I know it would have been life-changing for me if I had read it when I was a younger woman. And so you can grab a copy of Sex, Purity, and the Longings of a Girl's Heart. Anywhere books are sold. I know Amazon's a really popular popular option for a lot of people. You can also find it on our website at girldefined.com. You can get a signed copy there if you want, <laughs> but yeah, it's available wherever books are sold. And there's an audio version and ebook version as well. Some audiobooks. Oh, that's awesome. my jam. Yes, that's <laughs> I know. Mine too. <laughs> yes. Yes. And we'll link that in our newsletter this week too. So we'll oh, make great. it easy for y'all. So yeah, for sure. Well, thank you so much, Kristen. This has been so so good. So helpful for me. I know selfishly I've learned a lot, but I know that our listeners really will just love this conversation and they'll so appreciate your vulnerability, your honesty, your Mm -hmm. guidance, and your advice. It's been such an honor talking to you. It's been so fun. 
Oh, well, thank you for having me on and for braving this conversation. I really admire <laughs> you ladies for really digging into this because a lot of people are scared too. So thank you for helping spread this message of God defined sexuality. Important. Awesome. Well, guys, we will leave you there. We will be back next week with our season finale. So make sure you tune in for that. We got that recorded the other day and it's going to be very Christmassy and very fun. So come back next week. But until then, I'm Bethany. And I'm Kristen. And this is Looking for the Middle. 